But the series is actually, uh, I'm calling it preparing our church for the last days. And what I felt like in my spirit that God wanted the church to be as we entered or as we are in the last days and what kind of church is needed in the last days. And the first uh, that I preached was on that we must be a church that preaches Jesus and makes him central to all that we do and all that we say and uh, to be unequivocally a Jesus-preaching, Jesus-believing church. And uh, Jesus said if he's lifted up, he will draw all men to him. And so Pentecost does not ignore Jesus. We embrace Jesus. We make him the center of all that we do. And then I felt led to preach on making holiness, uh, you know, having a, a respect for holiness and uh, because we are a holiness church and uh, came out of the holiness revival, which I will talk a little bit about today. And then this third message in the series, I simply am calling the fire must never go out. It's a message that's going to focus on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the move of the Holy Ghost and the need for him in the body of Christ. There's a reason before I preach and before we read the text, there's a reason why Pentecostal churches around the world are exploding and experiencing phenomenal growth and why many denominations are making accommodation for Pentecostals is because it's the last day's fulfillment of scripture where Joel said that in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, upon your sons and daughters and handmaids and maidens, and they're going to prophesy. And whenever the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts chapter 2, Simon Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, and he quoted Joel. And so that is not ended for whatever, you know, I mean, uh, there are those that believe that that all ended and that that was for them, but now is a different time. But there's no record everywhere of it ever ending. There's no record in church history where it ever ended. And there was a time of darkness and a time of coldness and worldliness. But God has rectified that through the holiness revival that birthed Pentecost. Holiness always births Pentecost. And that is what had happened. And we are living in a thriving moment, a thriving time of Holy Ghost move and Holy Ghost power. Miracles are still happening. There are miracles in this sanctuary today. People that have found miraculous power from God. And that is still happening today. If the Lord tarries next Sunday, I'm going to be preaching on signs and wonders and how that we need signs and wonders to come back to the house of the Lord. But if you have your Bibles, I, let me get to preaching. Uh, turn with me to the book of Leviticus, chapter 9. And if you'll stand to your feet with me, please, and we'll read the text together. Leviticus, chapter 9, third book of the, of the Bible. Leviticus, chapter 9, and find verse 22, and we'll read down through verse 24. The word of God says, and, and Aaron lift up his hand towards the people and blessed them, came down from offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the con congregation and came out and blessed the people. 
and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which all the, when all the people saw, they shouted and they fell on their faces. You could be seated if you'd like to be. I want to preach today on the thought of the fire must never go out. The altar was uh, built for sacrifice. To my knowledge, the first altar that is recorded in the Bible that was built was built by Noah after he got off the ark. And he built an altar, and the Bible said that he laid uh, the sacrifice on it and offered burnt offerings to the Lord after they had gotten off the ark from the flood. And uh, the altar was built for sacrifice, and uh, the uh, sacrifice needed the fire. Both of these things are lacking in the church today, even the Pentecostal church. We have gotten away from what serving means and what it means to sacrifice, and we've gotten away from the fire. We do things pretty well. There was a time that uh, I know when the Berea church, our own history, uh, we have a little bit of a history uh, display out in the foyer in our uh, in that glass case you will if you looked out there you will find a picture of a lady uh, that is a very nice looking well-dressed lady that the Berea Church of God began at her home and from that prayer meeting that was in her home it expanded to a small band of about 10 believers that was given a piece of property on the corner of Oak and Burdett Street uh, the house, there's people that live in that house now. That used to be our church. You could drive by there today and look at it. It's, it's still there. That used to be where we worshiped, little bitty place. And their Sunday school rooms were wires that were put up in the building and sheets that they would pull to separate areas where you could have class. The choir consisted of anybody that wanted to come to the platform and sing. The band consisted of a flat-top guitar and maybe an accordion. I mean, that was, that was a very humble beginning. And from that very humble beginning, the church grew, and they bought property on 25, in the corner of Manus and 25, right across from Sipples, where we were for years. Uh, from the 60s, we built that building, and uh, we outgrew it, and we were in a building program when the fire came. And the, I mean, a literal fire that burned down the building and uh, that propelled us to move forward a little quicker in our building program. And here we are today. Uh, we have come a long way from a single flat top guitar and an accordion. We've come a long way from whoever wants to come and stand on the platform and sing. We've come a long way from wire in the building and sheets separating classrooms. We've come a long way from preachers that preached from an experience and not from training. I have training. I have 40 years of experience. I have a seminary education. But I never, ever, ever want to think that that is what causes me to preach. I want to preach from an experience with God. I want to preach with fresh anointing and fresh fire on my life and not through something that I just have done years ago that I could just pull out of my file and say, well, I think this Sunday I'll preach this. I want to preach out of experience with God. I was in a meeting, uh, Dad and I went to a retreat a few months ago, 
And my good friend, Larry Higginbotham, who's preached for us here before, Larry was teaching in this seminar, and he was talking about preachers that ask him sometime. They say, well, how, how's the best way to get a sermon? How do, you, how do you find out what to preach? How do you put a sermon together? All that kind of thing. And Larry said, I always, I always tell people the same thing, that if, you, that if you read the Bible to have an experience with God, the preaching will flow out of you. You know, you don't take this. This is a textbook, but it's not a textbook if you know what I mean. You know, you don't sit here and say, okay, let me find a passage I can preach today. If you have a relationship with God based and built on this word, it will just flow out of you. And that's what I want. I want it to flow out of me. And not only do I want it to flow out of me, I want it to flow out of me with Pentecostal anointing and Pentecostal fire. And I know that doesn't come just because you sing the right song and you push the right button and you, and you get their right emotion going and you get people all hepped up by just the emotion part of it. It comes through a sincere uh, a time of worship and fresh fire from heaven that is still falling. And the Bible says that when they offered the sacrifice, the fire came out from the tabernacle or came out from the presence of God and it burned up the offering. And I just want that still to happen in the house of God today. I want us to bring a sacrifice every time we come. I want us to walk through the doors and sacrificially worship God. Say, so, well, I don't really feel like it. That's what a sacrifice is all about. You say, well, I really don't have it. That's what a sacrifice is all about. I mean, your arm might hurt. You may be broke. You may not have much to offer. You may not be able to stand because your feet hurt. I, you know, that just might be the way it is, but it don't have to shut you up. It don't have to keep you quiet. It don't have to cause you to die. I'm telling you, we need to bring God a sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. We need to bring it back to the house of God. And we need to quit. We need to quit just trying to get people to do what we want them to do because it's something we want to happen. Praise has got to be a natural outflow of our experience with God. That when we come to the house of God, they come to watch us worship, hallelujah, to God. And I'm telling you, I don't want to, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here for him, but I don't want anybody to leave. I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want God to be disappointed. I'm here to give God all that I've got, praise the Lord. That means I'm going to get loud. I'm going to move around. I'm going to get active, but I'm telling you, my God, is worthy of everything that I've got, everything that I want to bring him. The fire of God has got to burn in the church again. Praise him right now, will you? We got to have the fire of God burning. When the fire of God burns, I feel the Holy Ghost today, guys. Woo, glory to God. When the fire of God burns, the fire of God is destructive. I mean, all through the word of God, I mean, I, I just have a few examples, but the, the fire was first mentioned in Genesis 19, 24, the fire of judgment, whenever it fell on Sodom and Gomorrah in the cities of the plain. The fire of God in judgment fell in the book of uh, Exodus 9, 23, 24, because it burned up the crop in, in Egypt. The fire came out from the Lord and killed Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu because they offered strange fire. I'll talk about that in a moment. To the Lord in Leviticus 10 and verse 2. It destroys and judges. Are you ready for this? The fire of God destroys and judges cold, formal, institutional churches. 
In Acts chapter 2, there's a reason why that the Holy Ghost fell in Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem was the seat of cold, formal, dead church. They were a far cry away from what the law of Moses was intended. Of course, we were now in New Covenant. We understand that. But they re remember, they rejected everything of God. Can I get an amen? I mean, remember how that when the people worshiped Jesus in Luke 19, when he's riding in Jerusalem on a donkey, and they shout and take their clothes off, their coats off, and cut branches off of trees, and they have them a time giving glory and honor to the Lord. And it, those old, cold, formal, dead uh, church folk, religious folks said, shut them down, shut them up. We don't need that kind of uh, racket going on in the, house, in, in the city. Shut them down. And what did Jesus say? He said, if they held their peace, even though rocks would cry out to me. Berea Church of God, I'm telling you, Pentecost is a judgment against cold, formal, institutional church. God said, I'm sick and tired of cold, form, institutional church. I want to do a new thing in, in, among the people of God. I want new fire to burn. I want fresh fire to burn. I want fresh worship to be offered. I want fresh sacrifice to be laid on the altar. Somebody help me give God praise in this house. God is judging the church. God is judging the church. There's a reason churches are dying. They're not dying for the reason many people think. People that are trying to lead dying churches say the same thing. Well, people just don't want to come to church anymore. That's a lie. Now, I'm not saying they're lying. They're believing a lie. Because I'm telling you, the world is filled with people that want to be in the house of God. They're filled with people that want to know God. Let me word it like that. They're filled, the world is filled with people searching for God. You know that, right? I mean, people are, are jumping from relationship to relationship because they're really looking for something that satisfies and only God can satisfy it. There are people that jump from job to job because they're looking for something that will satisfy them, but only God can satisfy it. Can I get somebody to help me preach this morning? I'm telling you, church, only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus will satisfy the hole in your heart. And what is happening when cold, formal, institutional churches are dying, preachers are saying, well, nobody wants to come. Now we have a new excuse. Everybody's scared of COVID. Ever since COVID, and I hear that everywhere I go. And COVID has affected the church, and we'll talk about that someday. It has affected the church. I'm not denying that at all. But that's a new excuse that people have. But I, I tell you, I'll tell you what, I, I, I ignore, I'm ignoring COVID. And I'm ignoring those that say, well, I really don't want to come because they don't want to come. I, I know there are some that don't want to come. I contact them every week and they don't want to come. They, they have this excuse and that excuse. Well, I, I, I can't make it this week because, oh, I've I'm, I'm been fighting this for the last seven months. You know, that kind of junk. And I'm sick and tired of that mess. But, hey, I can't help that. There are people that don't want to come. But I want to tell you something. There are plenty of people that are hungry for God. And I'm one of them. Is there anybody in the house hungry for the things of God today? Hold your ears. Woo! I feel better. 
I had to get that out of me. I'm telling you, I had to get that out of me. I want to tell you, church, we are hungry for the things of God. And what Pentecost has done is judge these churches. Because what is happening, where Pentecost is embraced, God is moving. That's just the truth. I'm not saying that every church is a big church. I'm not saying that. But, we're, but, but Pentecostal churches are affecting their communities because God is moving there. And people are coming to where God is moving. I love to tell, I love to tell this, and I've said this many times, but, but I, I read, I forget where I read it, but it's reputable, and uh, we're, we're familiar. You know, I said this just the other day, but I want to say it again. That, you know, right at the Crystal Cathedral, right there in, in, in Orange County, California, built as a testimony to the ministry of Robert Schuller and positive thinking and all that. And thousands of people would gather there every Sunday to hear him preach and, and a national television audience and all the above. And Robert Schuller's gone on now. And, and his son, you know, had taken it over. And, and to make a long story short, that church just went down and went down and went down. And, and I told you, I've told you several times, but you know what? Who's housing that church now? A group of Hispanic Pentecostals, glory to God, in Orange County, California, that now sit in the Crystal Cathedral speaking in tongues and giving glory to God. And God's moving in that place in power and glory. I want to tell you, it don't matter if it's a Crystal Cathedral. It don't matter if it's a brush harbor. It don't matter if it's a log cabin. It don't matter if it's a metal building. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost will come where men and women welcome him and will men and women worship him and will men and women respond to him. He'll come. In Acts chapter three, I've read and told this, preached the story many times as most preachers have of the lame man being healed at the gate called Beautiful. But one day I was reading that and here's what I read. I mean, I read the same thing how many times, but I read it. And I read that he leapt up and ran. And where did he run? Into the temple. And I had never seen that before. I really had never seen that before. And I read that and I went, he went to church. <laughs> I mean, that guy went to church. And he went to the cold, formal, dead church that was ran by cold, formal, dead religious people. And here comes this guy that just got his miracle running into a dead, formal, institutional church filled with dead, formal, institutional leaders. And the man's jumping on a pogo stick and running around like a fool and saying, the Lord healed me, the Lord healed me, the Lord healed me, the Lord healed me. Hey, whenever you get the miracle of God in your life, you may jump and run too, but shout the glory, shout the praise, shout the honor. The Lord is still our healer. Give him praise in this house. Well, glory. That's what happens when the Spirit of God moves. The Holy Ghost is going to judge. The Bible calls Babylon the great whore. All Babylon is in Revelation is a religious system. And God is going to have the final say on the false church and the religious system that is anti-Christ. 
Because the Bible said that the fire of God is going to destroy her. But you know what? The world's going to weep and cry, the Bible says, because Babylon is is destroyed. But I tell you, God always has the final say. Pentecostals, don't you ever hang your head and be embarrassed about who you are or who we are or what we believe. I'm telling you, the fire of God is still burning. The fire of God is still moving. And men and women are still being touched by the fire of Almighty God. Praise God. Kennedy, you about ready to run for me? <laughs> That's a joke between she and me and her and I, I should say, and her mom and dad. Anyway, about a breath, pray for me. I'm fat. I am. I know you think I'm well muscled, but I got a little layer of fat here that hurts me. <laughs> there had to be fire on the altar. The altar was built for fire. The sacrifice was killed for fire. When Noah built the altar and gave the sacrifice and burned it, the Bible said God smelled it and it was sweet in his nostrils. The Bible said that when Aaron's sons, I mentioned earlier, had offered strange fire to the Lord, God killed them because strange fire was fire that was not from the altar. Strange fire was fire of your own making. They burned incense, which was an act of worship, but they did it their way, not God's way. It was just like uh, Cain and Abel, where Cain brought a sacrifice, but he brought what he wanted to bring, not what God said bring. You can't do things your way and expect blessing. God judges because he calls it rebellion. Strange fire is trying to do things our way. It is trying to do things that we do to manipulate and to act like something is there that isn't. But when we respond to what is real and what is there, God honors and blesses that. The fire was to be perpetual because Leviticus 6 and 13 says, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. I read, I forget the title of the book, but I have a wonderful book on prayer in my office. And to be very brief, the Moravians were a group of believers from the region of Moravia, which is in modern day, the modern day Czech Republic. And they are credited with fueling or having a major role in the Great Awakening. Because the Moravian Christians were led at the time of a count, his last name was Zinzendorf, Count Zinzendorf. This is all history, you could find it. Count Zinzendorf felt led of God to call the Moravians to prayer. And he felt led of God to call them to a hundred, now get this, a hundred years. He didn't live to see it, obviously. But he called them to a hundred year prayer meeting. Did you get that? 
But it wasn't just a 100-year prayer meeting. It was a 100-year, 24-7 prayer meeting. He got folks to pray in pairs 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 100 years. The group never got big. But you and I are here because of this little group that prayed. This little group that prayed, probably about 100 people. I might be wrong on 100 years. Maybe I got 100 people in my mind. I might, so, so forgive me for that. I'll, I will correct that if I'm wrong. But they prayed for years, and these people prayed. And they are credited with fueling the Great Awakening. John Wesley wrote about them. John Wesley was on a cross-Atlantic voyage coming to America from England. And a massive storm hit, and they, everybody on the ship thought it was going to go down. And history says that John Wesley was frightened, but he noticed there were a group of Moravian believers on the ship, and they just sat totally at peace. Not upset, not worried, not afraid, totally at peace. And he was so moved by their piety and moved by their faith. That John Wesley, that moved him. And John Wesley was a father of the Great Awakening, one of the fathers, I should say, of the Great Awakening. And the Great Awakening ushered in the Holiness Revival. The Holiness Revival ushered in the Pentecostal Revival. The Pentecostal Revival ushered us in. See, it's all connected. You are sitting here today because some Moravian prayed for you that you will never know their name this side of heaven. John Wesley preached for you and you've never, you will never, you'll see him in glory, but obviously he's gone. It's all tied together. What we're doing today it's for generations to come, should the Lord tarry his coming. Because it's all tied together. Somebody has got to be willing to touch God now for generations to come. There's a reason. The Holy Ghost moved Joel and Simon Peter quoted him. For the promise is to you your children, and those that are far off. You know who they are? They're my grandkids. They're my grandkids' spouses. They're my great-grandchildren. You get the point. They're yours as well. The promise is just not for us now in 2023 to feel good on February the 5th 2023 about being in church. There's a whole lot more going on here now than just what is happening in this worship service because this is a fulfillment of prophetic prayer, prophetic preaching, prophetic word, and a prophetic promise. And God said, what I will do for you now, I want to do for generations to come. Hallelujah to God. I mean, look at all the young people in this church. I'm telling you, this church has lots of young adults that are raising young children that are going to raise young children. I'm telling you, God has answered prayer here because God is saying, I want to do something that's going to change the future for people in Berea. Kentucky because somebody prayed for us.
What is it that fire needs? Fire needs fuel. Fire can't burn without something that it will burn. Wood, paper, brush, something like that. The Bible said that in Acts chapter 2, God found some fuel. That when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together, just like this place. All in one place, just like this place. All in one mind, hopefully like this place. All in one accord, I hope it is. And when that was so, the Bible says then, that means ultimately or because of, because they were assembled together, because they were in one mind and one accord and in one place, because of that, then there came a sound from heaven. That sounded like a mighty rushing wind that came into where they were sitting and it filled all the house and clove. And that just means split, split. Most Bible scholars believe it was like a lightning bolt that shot and divided and set upon each of them. That, that, that fire set upon the head of all about 120 believers in that place we call the upper room. And the Bible said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they all spake the word of God. They all spake in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. God found some fuel that would burn. He found fuel that would burn in Acts chapter 8, 14 through 17. Whenever, uh, whenever Philip went down to Samaria, and preached Jesus and many came to Christ and the Bible said that, that Peter and John went down from Jerusalem when they heard about the revival they went down there to pray that they might receive the Holy Ghost for he not, had not fallen on they've not received the Holy Ghost and they went to pray that they would that they, found, they found fuel that would burn in Acts chapter 9 17 when the apostle Paul said to Ananias Go, go, there's a man there called Saul, but I, I've chosen him. He's praying. Go find him. Lay hands on him and pray for him that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and, and he went and did just what God said. God found fuel that would burn. In Acts chapter 19, I mean, Acts chapter 10, whenever Peter went to Cornelius' house and preached Jesus to them, and in verses 10, in Acts 10, 44 through 47, the Bible said the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word and they began to speak with tongues. In Acts 19, they found fuel that would burn. When the apostle Paul said he found Ephesian believers and said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we've not heard about the Holy Ghost. Paul laid hands on them and prayed and they were filled. In 1 Corinthians 14, God found some fuel. And in Ephesians 5, God found some fuel. I just wonder, I just wonder, on February the 5th, 2023, in the Berea Church of God, has God found some fuel that will burn? Has God found somebody that has said, that will say, Father God, light me up in the name of Jesus. Let the fire of God fall on my life. Let me be filled with the power of Almighty God and filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you fuel? Are you fuel? Have I got any fuel in the house? Have I got any starter logs in the house? 
Have I got any kindling in the house? Have I got somebody in the house that say, fire of God, fall on me? Come on, come on, give me a witness, somebody. Do I have anybody in the house? Fall on me. Somebody, I think it was uh, Jane, it might have been your brother-in-law, Gary Stacy. if I'm wrong, correct me after church. Not now, like Dee Dee corrected me earlier, but correct me after church. We needed that correction, I'm just playing. He wrote a song that said, let the Holy Ghost from heaven fall on me. Did Gary write that song? I can't remember, I think he did. But he wrote a song that said, let the Holy Ghost from heaven fall on me. A fall is sudden. A fall is something that just happens. I thought about preaching a sermon that I've called You Can't Outrun a Log because of an experience I had at a job I had. I worked in a warehouse in Louisville, a veneer warehouse, and we had veneer logs. And when one of them things fell, which they would fall, you can't outrun them. They told you, you can't outrun a fallen log. You have to just get to the side. You can't outrun something that's fallen. The force of gravity is quicker than you can run. And we need the Holy Ghost, Elpo, to fall on us again. And Bill, we don't need to be trying to run from it. We need to be running to it. We need to embrace what God wants to do in our life and allow God just to fall on us and allow God to do whatever he wants to do because he's God and that's what God wants to do. So fire needs fuel. Fire needs a heat source. Something has got to start the fire. The heat source, of course, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the pillar of fire in the book of Exodus that led Israel. The Holy Spirit was the cloven tongues of fire that fell at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is a consuming fire, according to uh, Hebrews 12 and 29. The Bible says that out of the mouth of the two witnesses in Revelation, fire will go forth and destroy their enemies. That's the fire of the Holy Ghost. We're baptized, Jesus said, with the Holy Ghost and with fire. We're consumed, the, um, the fire consumed Solomon's offering and filled the temple in 2 Chronicles 7, 1 and 2. Thirdly, fire has to have air or oxygen. Brother Roy commented yesterday that I just loved. Talked about being raised up and his grandma, you know, they had a coal stove and you folks that maybe go back that far in your own experience. The coal would burn during the night to keep the house warm, but then it would burn down and you looked at it in the morning, it looked like it was dead. Till Roy's grandma would get the poker. Stir it up. You know what stirring it up does? It brings air in. Come on church. It brings the oxygen. Sometimes people would lean over the fire when it's getting real low and bring the oxygen, bring the air. The Greek word for spirit is breath. 
It literally is the breath of God. And what brings the fire, Berea Church of God, is the breath of God. The Holy Ghost moves, God breathes, fire burns. But if it don't have something to burn up, then it's just, it, it's not effective. It's got to burn on you. It's got to burn in you. It's got to burn upon you. You've got to let God breathe on you. You've got to let the Holy Ghost of heaven fall on you. You've got to say, here I am, Lord, fill me up. Breathe on me, God. Breathe on me, Holy Ghost. And when God breathes on you and the fire of God burns in you, you'll never, ever, ever be the same. There's a reason, and I'm getting ready to pray. Tell me you come on up. All of y'all come up. Band, come on up. Rose, come on up. There's a, when Jesus talked to the disciples in John 20, 22, the Bible says he breathed on them. But he didn't just breathe on him. He followed that by saying, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. That's what he told them. That's what they did. They go to the seat of formal dead church. And they find a place to pray. And the oxygen came. God breathed in that place. God breathed in that place. The heat source came. The, the fire fell. God went. And he found some fuel. He found some kindling that said, burn me up. I'll burn for you. And a hunt, about 120 folks started burning. Simon Peter went out and preached to thousands. 3,000 got saved. I'm going to pray for somebody to be saved right here just in a moment. 3,000 got saved. Then from then, here we are today. I want to be kindling. I want God to burn me up. I want the fire of God to consume me. I want my preaching to be consumed. I want my life to be consumed. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost at home and filled with the Holy Ghost in church and filled with the Holy Ghost at the mall, filled with the Holy Ghost in my car. I want to live a spirit-filled life. How about you? I want God to fill me up and I want God to burn me up because that's the promise of God. But I want to pray for you. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Is there somebody here today that'll just slip your hand up and you'll just say, by the raised hand, you'll just say to me, Brother Steve, I'm either not saved or I'm backslidden and I need to recommit and rededicate my life to God. Will you pray for me this morning? Let me see your hand. 